welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 46, Episode 6 of SNL with host Dave Chappelle and musical guest Foo Fighters. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by unaffected Canadian bystanders Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy these selected highlights from this week's discussion. If you'd like to watch our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, you can find it exclusively on Patreon and Subscribestar forward slash SNL Podcast. It's our supporters who make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Whew, so we had quite a long week in America. Everybody uh, glued to CNN, waiting for the election results, just for it to be called 12 hours before SNL showtime, which then, of course, created a uh, snowball of anticipation of what were they going to say, what were they going to do? They only have so much time. So this was definitely set up to be probably easily the most watched episode in, in a few years. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see if we all uh, think it lived up to the hype. Yeah, it's uh, a rare occurrence when SNL gets to be one of the first entertainment venues to right. bite into a news cycle. Normally, they get sort of the the hollowed out carcass of the week's mm-hmm. events. Um, <laughs> so it is nice that this is the show this week that a lot of people said, well, I'm going to stay up. You know, I just I, right. I need a take on this. I, you know, I need to connect with the world at large and just, you know, get a sense of how everyone's feeling. So, yeah, SNL, they, they get to be the first ones out of the gate. And uh, I think it certainly made for a a discussion worthy show for sure. And we're going to get into a full review in our rundown, but mm-hmm. before we do, I think we got some patron stuff to talk about. Yeah, we definitely have one new patron that I want to give a shout out to, and it's Jamin K of the talking about the news in a satirical fashion, YouTube channel, uh, by way of Philadelphia PA. Um, we batted around some of Jamin's feedback, uh, a couple weeks ago about, um, making changes to the show after it's aired and kind of the, the pros and cons of that approach. And, um, I guess he was so appreciative that he thought maybe he'd kick in a couple bucks and, and check out our Patreon. And we are very happy that he's come on board. And so we thank him for joining us. And we hope that, uh, anyone else that would like to get our full unabridged coverage and, um, uh, would either like the full audio podcast or the video podcast. They're both found exclusively on Patreon and Subscribestar, and we would love anyone to come check us out there. So why don't we jump into our show? I'll hand it back to Catherine. All right, let's get into it. And tonight, we're not going to stand here and gloat. Well, maybe. We're not rubbing our w- victory in everybody's face. But like just a tiny bit. We're humbly accepting this victory. Exactly. And I'm just. People don't just want to see Biden and Kamala happy. They also want to see Trump sad. So we hear from both camps on this historic night with cameos from Jim Carrey, Maya Rudolph, and Alec Baldwin. So, Steve, how'd you feel about this cold open? Uh, it was enjoyable and more or less what I expected. It was pretty impressive to see them scramble to uh, recreate things that happened four hours in the past. <laughs> Right. So, you know, getting certain outfits right, like uh, Kamala's uh, white blazer, her whole getup. Scarf, yeah. Yeah. I mean, brilliant stuff from the wardrobe department. 
And I like that they acknowledge the real hero of the whole election process was the, you know, the touchscreen guys. <laughs> and yeah, yes. the, the stumps was a brilliant joke for sure. I, I thought it was great. And the way they ended it was probably my favorite part. Um, not exactly the end, but how they ended with Trump and the whole uh, song. It was making fun of him. It was making fun of SNL. You know, they were kind of poking at themselves with that. So I had a lot of fun with this. Absolutely. And uh, as far as cold opens go for this season, this is up there with some of the, the more fun ones, I'd say. I agree. I was having a great time. I think they probably had a cold open planned with, is it John King, the map guy? And uh, Wolf Blitzer, and I think that was what they were going with. And then Saturday threw him a curveball. But I think it was a great choice to leave them in there for just a little bit of it. Yeah. Because so much of the country was watching CNN, and that was something that we were all so tuned in on. It would have been a huge missed opportunity to scrap that altogether. So I was really thrilled to see that they, they kept it in uh, for just you know the little bit that we did get there. Uh, for the rest of it, the Trump stuff is a little bit more inspired than the Biden stuff, as we've discussed. You know, there's just more to say with him. That's that. What are we going to do without Trump? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> now we can say it. Yeah. Um, but uh, this was the cold open where I started to fall in love with Carrie's Biden just a little bit. You know, I, it's hard to tell if they were doing something better or if just the mood of the day was carrying me, you know, me and my friend said we were five bottles of champagne deep. We were having a good time. The mood was up. It's hard to tell if there was much they could have done wrong, but I was really, really enjoying this. Uh, and I thought Carrie was really coming into it and they could let him do, you know, the whole loser thing that was really fun. So yeah, feeling good on this cold open for me. Uh, John, how about you? I, I agree that this is right up there for their political stuff for the year. Uh, just cause they had something that they actually wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. You, you get the feeling with some of the other cold opens that it's a bit of a slog. Mm -hmm. They know they have to cover the event of the week. They, it's already laid out for them, but that doesn't mean that it generates the, just the, the funnest material to perform or, you know, like they're trying right. to do their best with what they've got to work with for the week, but it just, it, it isn't always something your heart's in. And I, I think. I was feeling a little bit of that. Uh, not mm -hmm. that Jim Carrey wasn't bringing his best to it. And Maya wasn't bringing her best to it, but it was just so obvious that there was so little to say in, in some of those cold opens. Right. Whereas this feels like it writes itself, like uh, a, a gloating victory speech contrasted with uh, the most non uh, concession speech in history. Like, <laughs> of course you're right. going to find comedy in a premise like that. So uh, obviously they were able to take this to some fun places I think this was the perfect use of Trump and Alec performed it very well. Like you, you have to, you have to find the pathos in taking a disco song and, and <laughs> pulling all that emotion out of it. And mm -hmm. you know, like I just feel like Alec Baldwin, the performer shone through there. Like yeah. he is good, you know, like he has timing mm -hmm. and he has, you know, like there's something special that he can do when he's got something juicy to work with. And there's uh, a reason just, they've kept him around. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. So, so him, doing macho man in that, you know, somber, uh, way was just uh, beautiful. Like just that, that was an mm -hmm. inspired moment. Uh, a little bit of gloating, a little bit of, you know, nerdy Biden dancing. That's all fun. I so wanted to like the, but my, my biggest problem with Biden is that Jim, it's Jim Carrey. There's, it's not Biden. It's Jim Carrey. So for them to indulge that even more, right. uh, 
it just felt so easy. <laughs> it, it felt, yeah, it, it, it was a give the people what they want moment. And for anyone that just wanted that little bit of catharsis and, and wanted to just kind of, you know, take a victory lap with uh, Jim Carrey. Great. You know, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for really being into it. Um, but I just, I felt like that was such a, a corny thing to throw in personally, but you <laughs> Some know, may minor- argue that was the whole point. Oh yeah, that could have been it. Like, you know, they talked about Jim Carrey saying he had a, a serious take for Biden. It could have just been keep me in the game until election day so I can say <laughs> Le yeah. uh, that, that could have been it. This this could have been a joke, you know, two months in the making. That that could be what mm-hmm. we're looking at. For me personally, I didn't need it, but overall I, I thought they went to some fun places with this. I thought it was a good cold open and it wasn't too long, you know, all things considered. Yeah. I think I think this was, was just about right. Yeah, this was solid. So, uh, so far, so good. All right. Coming into the episode on a high note, let's get into the monologue where Dave Chappelle gives America that post-election truth plus comedy that we all expected. <laughs> Steve, uh, what one about this? What'd you like? Well, this is a monologue that pretty much takes us all the way to the halfway point of the show. <laughs> yes. And I'm not complaining. Long- longest monologue ever, I believe. I really? think 15 minutes. Uh, so. Yeah, I think it clocked in right around 16 minutes, uh, which I think is a record. Yeah. Okay. I figured it would have been uh, Don Rickles or something who had the record. He's up uh, in the top five for sure, but uh, I think this one took it. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Dave Chappelle's known for going on a long time. You've, I'm sure you've heard of his three to six hour shows <laughs> he's done in cornfields. Yes. In cornfields. Yeah. <laughs> now, I wasn't even sure if he was going to even get to jokes because you know he started very serious he ended very serious and you know he is such a talented public speaker apart from being you know a fantastic comedian he can captivate an audience with a story Mm -hmm. even when there are no attempted jokes or laughs to be had this was uh, a very interesting kind of reflection on his family and what it might mean to him today it's all very nice stuff and you know, the brilliant mind that he is, he turns that funny on somewhere between two words halfway through a sentence. And all of a sudden we're in a comedy show and it's bam, <laughs> just like that. That is, uh, that is a talent. I don't know. You could, you could teach. It's, uh, such an amazing, uh, ability to turn on a dime like that. Oh, well, it, it was a good monologue for sure. I think there's a lot of really good stuff in here with the, Locking those murderous whites up, uh, wearing your clan masks, Trump guessing the cure. Uh, uh, what about very powerful light directly in the body? I say, what? <laughs> Tons of great material here. And, you know, Dave, you know, layering the layering in the truth and the comedy. That's why they booked him for the show. That's why he's here. You know, because we weren't sure what the mood was going to be. And we knew that he would be able to tackle it regardless. I thought. There was some stuff he was clearly trying out that I think didn't land mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. at all. And it's a 15, 16 minute monologue. So there's room to cut some stuff out. So I thought that was sort of interesting. Who knows how that played at dress though. So, you know, maybe he was genuinely surprised that it didn't land uh, on the live show, but overall huge win on the monologue. John, uh, are you going to come in unanimous on that? Yeah, I'm not going to be, you know, the one guy in the Western Hemisphere to <laughs> claim that Dave Chappelle is not maybe the greatest living comedian of our generation. Right. Um, 
I don't think the room was on fire about halfway through. It seemed like he was, he was getting laughs from the people that were dialed in and, and keeping pace, but it, it, it felt like the room cooled off on him. And I, he obviously picked up on that because he made a few quips, you know, Lauren, mm-hmm. I thought we were doing a comedy show here. Like, is this the audience <laughs> you gave me kind of a thing? Um, so I'm, I'm going to blame the room. Cause I think if they were feeding back a little bit better, uh, he, he probably would have been able to put those over. I, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I, I think that for some reason they just weren't, weren't in sync. We'd speculated about maybe audience fatigue. We don't really know where they're pulling the audience from week over week mm-hmm. at this point. So, um, there's a lot of things that could have been playing into that. And just the fact that you've got half as many people in the space. Right. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that could have made it a, an inhospitable room for him. Um, but that said, I mean, he, he flowed through it like a champ, right? Like there's, there's nothing about what he was doing that was anything less than, than just the most, you know, polished, um, precise, perfectly articulated, uh, Mm -hmm. comedy. Like what he does is, is very calculated because you, you need to, you need to have a real mastery over how you deliver those lines and how you craft those lines and just how hard you work to commit those lines to memory so that they, they flow out of you in a way where, the joke kind of just lives in the delivery so much. Cause a lot of it isn't really hard punchlines. Like he does. Cause he, he cuts you a look and he, he lets you know when he's, when he's hit it, when he's proud of himself. But uh, a lot of it is just so much in just his charisma and, and just how he flows on stage. My only thought on first watch was I was kind of expecting something a little bit more inclusive and jubilant and, uh, optimistic about the future and and unifying in a way and Mm -hmm. then on second watch i'm like wait a minute well that's not Chappelle. that's never been Chappelle. like why would i put that on him to somehow deliver the monologue that i'm assuming the nation needs like why am i imposing that kind of uh you know uh pressure or expectation on him but i do think he he ultimately sort of wrapped back around to that he did, but there was a whole lot of let's yes. get Whitey in there too. Like, like, <laughs> right. like yeah. Chappelle didn't shy away from doing what Chappelle does, and uh, right. I'm not. I'm not saying that there isn't truth to it, and that it isn't uh, something worth hearing. Like, there was just a lot that uh, I think he genuinely believes that he's passionate about, and I think he de- mm-hmm. everything that he delivered, the points he tried to make, I think he made them masterfully. I was just kind of surprised, and and on second watch, I'm like, well, okay, I I get it. The show can't impose an agenda on him, even if they wanted to, and Chappelle <laughs> could care less about the state of the world and somehow tempering his message to line up with what's going to be most comfortable for his audience. Like that shouldn't be part of his thinking. So the fact that I went there is just maybe me imposing the craziness of the week Mm -hmm. on Chappelle. And once I let go of that and just said, well, is this guy still on top? Absolutely. Chappelle's on top. Right. So that's all I have to say about that. I never thought I could get that nose baloney either, but you gave me the strength. Sorry, you did Coke. Just to help get me off the booze. Keith begs Sarah to take him back. He's changed, baby. <laughs> so, Steve, what one about this? Oh, uh, just I just loved watching Beck make it all worse. Like he probably would have been better off if he just didn't show up to make his impassioned speech. <laughs> uh, but you know, it that was the point. Obviously, like they hit all those right. beats to uh, you know really hearken the uh, the genre of, of the of the romantic uh, comedy, I guess. And yeah, w- just where it went and, and all the reveals and just the sheer fact that Ego was still kind of like half sold on this the whole time, you know, <laughs> as they would be in the movie without all this ridiculous right. uh, stuff being re- revealed. Like that was all just so funny to me because, you know, if you actually 
look at it with an analytical eye. You know, these characters would not make the decisions that they're making, <laughs> but that's, you know, what makes it so funny. Absolutely. This was fantastic. I love seeing Beck in these dramatic romantic roles. He just nails it. He sells it so well. But what was even more working with this was how brilliantly written it was. Mm-hmm. You know, there were they were piling on and on and on and on, but it never started to feel contrived. Like no. all of those transitions in the conversation continued to feel pretty natural. You know, obviously there are things that no one would ever say, but it was a really smoothly written scene. Yes. And I just really, really respect that they were able to do that because that's, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those jokes just kept landing too. So like, I loved it every time they would subvert our expectations and just take us on a new turn. So, you know, I'm really into porn, doing two to three scenes, <laughs> never with women. You know, every, at every chance, there's a new turn it's taking. And man, I was having fun with this. Just a really, really well-written sketch. Yeah. So, John, were you as into it as we were? Yeah, I'm sick of going third because you guys are stealing all the good <laughs> stuff here. Um, this is a perfect sketch. Perfect in its writing, perfect in its editing, perfect in its performances, perfect in its production values. Um, I was floored with how competent everything in it was. Um, mm-hmm. Catherine, you already touched on the writing. Uh, sketch 101. If you're going to have a beat, don't let your next beat be less impactful than the previous one. Each one right. has to you know, move the, the game forward a little bit and be a little bit mm-hmm. more um insane right like you need to up the ante right. each time yeah, and that's exact it. yeah exactly that's exactly what this did and it did it in subtle ways like it didn't just go from zero to a hundred you know over two or three jokes each one was just so perfectly positioned in the back mm-hmm. and forth dialogue to just continue to ramp up the energy just continue yeah. to keep that that heartbeat of the scene just pumping a little bit faster a little bit faster um mm-hmm. it just flawless absolutely flawless and like you said Catherine, just the the one two punches of it all where he's setting up a romantic cliche and then he's undercutting it by saying just a little too much. And the fact that she's even indulging this conversation at all. And he just keeps her on that string just enough to keep the door yeah. open and just give me one more chance. So let me say one more thing. I know I can do this. Just let me you know, make one more point. And then, you know, he blows it again. He blows it again. Um, great. You know, just uh, you can tell immediately the, like the, the movie trope that they're, they're goofing on. And uh, it's just, it, it was flawless. I, I could go on, but there's really no point. I think we're all in agreement on this one. Yeah. Too enthusiastic. Yeah. Thumbs up. All right. Well, a huge win on that one. Let's get into weekend update. Do you know how bad you have to be for Paris to ring church bells when you lose? They didn't even do that for the real hunchback's funeral. Jost and Shay discuss Biden's victory and Trump's denial. Steve, how'd you feel about weekend update this week? Yeah, a lot of gloveless uh, shots here. <laughs> That's uh, where we're at currently. This had a special feel to it, this whole uh, weekend update. I don't want to call it an end of an era because, you know, we still got a couple of months left before any real changes happen, but we know the changes are coming. So there's some kind of catharsis there, especially with the the reintroduction of of Che's drinking. (laughs) But I like that they did that because it's, it kind of, puts a positive spin on it you know we've seen him pick up the the cognac to talk about stuff that was stressing him out now it's more of a release like (laughs) it's a celebratory drink drink. so you know he's drinking for good and bad reasons at least (laughs) you could say uh but i've i've come to love what he can 
do with that glass. You know, it does change everything. And with a guy like Trump, where you're a lot of the times you're just quoting what he's saying. And then, you know, instead of a punchline, you're just taking a drink of your, your Hennessy. You know, that's, <laughs> that is, that is a well-constructed joke right there with, you know, what you're given a lot of the time with a guy like Trump. Yeah, I was I was happy to see Che's drinking habit come back, <laughs> <laughs> which is a fun way to phrase that. <laughs> this overall, I didn't feel like this weekend update lived up to the heights that I expected it to go. So I've we're at this point in the show, right, where I've enjoyed all the sketches so far. I haven't really had anything bad to say about them, but I'm sort of like, hold on. Wasn't there a huge breaking news story a few hours ago that I thought we would be talking about more? Because I'm I'm not usually a person that lives and dies by like SNL's political comedy. I like it. It's good. But nine times out of ten, I just want goofy sketches. This was the one night that I wanted 90 minutes of topical <laughs> sure. humor. Yeah. If ever <laughs> so there was an opportunity. Yeah. Right. So at this point in the show, I'm, I'm starting to say... Oh, what <laughs> what happened i understand that the news just broke but there was still a lot of topical stuff that we could have done there you know a ballot counting sketch a ballot counting weekend update character could have been a really fun thing to do that didn't rely on the news of the morning and then weekend update was also only 10 minutes and i'm like of all the times to have a short update this is the day that you picked so i this moment for me, while the jokes were good, it, I can't fault the joke writing. Like it was a good update, but the feeling that I was having was starting to be like, oh, "This, this was the week, and and you're you're not doing anything with it." I was starting to feel a little frustrated, honestly. Um, so it it took me out of it a bit, to where I I can't even really comment that much on the jokes. I was just starting to say, "This is not what I expected," and you know, really starting to feel that. So. That's that. John, what did you think? Um, <laughs> it pains me to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm having trouble to wrap wrapping my head around kind of how you got there because I mean Justin mm-hmm. Che's whole opening salvo was nothing but Trump slash election right. related topics. So it's mm-hmm. not like they didn't touch on it. Um if I'm hearing you correctly, you're just saying you wanted more like update features, like you wanted more room for them to have more like fun goofs on the right, election. It's, well hysteria? it's not even it's not even necessarily specifically update. It's like, oh, okay. We had three sketches before this that weren't topical. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess the Angel Mama okay. one was topical, but you know, not in that way. So I was just starting right. to think, oh, you've so you can really can... wanted to play it safe this week. Yeah. And, well, wasn't you know, that not, you know. the the getting the news the morning of the show is a double edged mm-hmm. sword, right? Right. They probably had a lot of material that just wouldn't play because they True. they probably assumed this was going to drag out a month. Like that's what a lot of the pundits were saying was mm-hmm. don't expect an answer anytime soon. This is going to be a long slog. So I don't know if they were really anticipating how quickly they had to pivot on a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's probably a lot of things they just had to, you know, leave on the cutting room floor this week. Oh, yeah. Um, right. And some of the stuff that they were preparing for, they probably consciously went with things that were a little more universal so that they would still have some material they could salvage right. if something crazy happened. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the fact that SNL's live and literally, you know, you get a bomb like that <laughs> dropped on the show, they got to do rewrites and they just got to make the most of it mm-hmm. and figure out how to repurpose sets and all the rest of it. So uh, I know there was a lot of scrambling and I think that we're just seeing the best thing you can do when you're putting on a live show the night of. So yeah, right. I'm, I'm going to cut them some serious slack on that. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. that 
even though, you know, we got like this, this bizarre little like rom-com parody, you know, on a show that's on this historical turning point in, in, you know, us history. Um, I understand well where that could seem like maybe not this week SNL, but then again, uh, I wouldn't want to, to lose something like that. So if they had something good like that, right. I'm glad that they said, well, let's, let's make sure we produce some stuff that is going to stick around no matter what happens. Sure, this week. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably where, where you're maybe getting a little hung up there, Catherine, um, mm-hmm. for what weekend update was, I, I think a lot of what they were doing was funny and, you know, drunk Che revealing that he wears a clip on great. You know, this is fun. They're, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't doing anything wrong, but call me, call me a softy. And I know that, you know, Trump is the grand arch villain of all time, but there's something that puts me off a little bit about kicking someone when they're down. Like I know. I know that SNL is very happy that Trump has ostensibly lost the election. And unless there's some serious gamesmanship in the courts, that's going to stick. Um, but to take a, a, a victory lap, that's kind of as, as uh, scathing and biting as it was, it just doesn't feel very gracious. And maybe that's just my old timey values. Um, but I, I almost feel like SNL had an opportunity here to sort of like, be the bigger man in a way, like still make the jokes and have the fun. But it, it just, it, it really, at a certain point, it just kind of felt like, let's just kick Trump until he's, you know, mush. That's kind of how it it's felt at a certain point to that, me. Like if he had like graciously conceded, then I, I don't know. I would well consider getting on board with that, but like, sure. But yeah. he was also just being such a turd about it. You know, yeah, like, what did Trump give them, really? <laughs> well, yeah, but, but I mean, that's the point about being the bigger person. The, the nice right. thing about Trump is that all you have to do is look, semi sane and you come out, you know, the bigger person in any situation right. in contrast. So I don't know, like SNL, it's a comedy show. They're going to find the jokes where they're going to find the jokes, but you could just see the writer's passions just pouring over. And at a certain mm-hmm. point it just felt vicious. And I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm the only one that, you know, has any sympathy left for Trump. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I understand you know, a lot of people are very happy this week, but like Chappelle said, half the country they're in mourning right now. And it just, it seemed seemed a, a little a little little bit much that was my only thought on it solid jokes good writing they performed it well it wasn't fumbly nothing bad to say about it i'm just surprised right. that that it wasn't a little more playful and it, it just felt at times a little bit really really yeah two very opposite takes i'm saying mm. i want more and you're saying mm. please don't <laughs> kick him kick him how typical <laughs> oh boy <laughs> if you want to see our full sketch by sketch review search for snl after party Patreon or subscribestar.com. So let's get into our ratings. Up first, moment of the night. Steve, I'll let you go first again. This one was difficult to choose because there were so many good potential moments to make moment of the night. You know, I was dancing around with the idea of uh, Chappelle doing the Charleston and then Mm. (laughs) just dying at himself doing such hilarious white person dancing. I would say, though, I, I, I lean towards my alternate choice, which was a line from the, the first sketch after the monologue, uh, between Dave Chappelle and, uh, and Pete Davidson. Some Italian, then we'll put you on some spaghetti, you chocolate bitch. You know, there's, there's nothing that brilliant about it, but with Dave's <laughs> delivery, <laughs> I was just about, you know, beat faced and ready mm. to collapse. Uh, Fair enough. That's a very good line. Uh, rivaled <laughs> in that sketch, maybe only by look at Pete Davidson's lips, <laughs> 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 which is certainly a contender for my moment of the night. But 
I'm going to go, and John's not going to like this, with the loser moment. Teach just because, you know, it was as much as I've complained about Jim, Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey instead of Biden, it's the moment that sure. will allow it, right? And it was, I, I was in a room that was very festive and we were feeling really good. So it was nice to just have that moment, take that victory lap. And, you know, I was really feeling it. So I, I'm going to give it to, to Jim there. John, what was your moment? Alec Baldwin sits down at the piano and delivers the most heartfelt rendition of uh, Macho Macho Man. That, that to me is really fun political satire. They've invested four years in Alex's version of Trump. We know all the Trump beats. We, you know, we know who he is. We, we know how SNL approaches Trump. And we know that we've seen him at a piano making fun of the previous election. So to bring mm-hmm. it full circle and then to tie in something that is really hilarious, you know, to see this 70 something, you know, orange man at his rallies, um, doing village people, which just seems to betray the whole like Republican <laughs> thing. You know, like there's just so much that's immediately funny about that collision mm-hmm. that then for them to take it, flip it on its head. And for that to be his swan song, that's right. inspired. There's something really nice yeah. about that. And, uh, as he's sitting down and as soon as I clued in that, Oh, it's macho man click. It all makes sense. SNL. This is, this is the kind of stuff that I, I like to see from your, your political caricatures. Um, and I thought Alec Baldwin really did a good job with that. There's, there's ways yeah. to make that cornier and more tongue in cheek and just not walk a line that would have been as satisfying, but the way he did it was just pitch perfect for the occasion. And I really, really, really thought that was a fun moment. Very good. Let's get into our best sketch then, Steve. Best sketch. I think Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben should get it. There was just so much I loved about it. You know, we've already talked about the, the Pete Davidson and Dave Chappelle interaction and all the brilliance that came from that. Uh, but aside from that, we got, you know, some pretty hilarious stuff from Aunt Jemima herself. Uh, Keenan, I could watch a whole sketch of him just naming types of rice. <laughs> right? Like, how is that sure. so good? <laughs> yeah. Like, that could have been like an extra couple of minutes and I would have eaten it all up, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the right choice to make. <laughs> it's not subjective at all. Steve nope. is laid down. Let's that's the right on. choice. Yep. I uh, I toyed a little bit with giving it to the cold open because, like I've said, that was the content I was craving. But I don't think that's fair because the episode lives on past this week and it wasn't the strongest best sketch of the of the night. The best sketch of the night, with all due respect to Steve Finn, was Take Me Back, the pre-tape with Keith. Uh, you know, I That is the right answer, by the way. <laughs> I so raved you know, on that's, about that's how the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> about how well written it was, you know, and I must have an older edition of the textbook then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you need to update that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm giving it to take me back. Uh that's that and I I assume John is on board with that. Yeah, that has some of the most brilliantly written dialogue we've mm-hmm. seen on SNL in a while. Uh just yeah, the, the craftsmanship astounded me with that one. Um, I wish I knew who wrote it, but I, I haven't seen anything yet. So yes, we normally do our homework. Not this week. Uh, we're all, <laughs> I think, a little hungover. Um, yeah, I we we said so much about it. I, I don't want to, you know, go down that same road. But it just when it when it ended, and they, they even had a fun little button, right? Like where you mm-hmm. realize that oh, this shtick that he does 
it's actually enough to win her back. Like this has worked for right. him before. And, and she actually is like, Oh, he does love me. Um, and also it was a lie. He still had all his drugs on him. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. So it just uh, right up to the very last scene, he keeps undercutting himself and there's just more layers to this onion of depravity, you know, that he's revealing to mm-hmm. her. So it, it was, it was truly brilliant. And, I think it'll go past a lot of people. Like they'll see something like this and they'll be like, yeah, that was fun. But I don't think they realize how hard it is to craft dialogue that sits with itself so cohesively. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing to see. And I love when SNL delivers a home run like that. Definitely. All right. MVP is up next. Steve, who's it going to? Ooh, that is so tough because, you know, you want to give it to Dave Chappelle (laughs) for the great monologue, but then... Mm -hmm. You wonder, is it the right thing to do when there's so many sketches that he just didn't show up in? But you know what? When we give it to a cast member or a musical guest, which has happened before, we don't necessarily expect them to be in every single sketch. You know, we just agree that they had a couple of great moments and that puts them above everyone else. So even with the lack of presence uh, that Dave Chappelle could, you know, be criticized for. He still provided that amazing monologue and, you know, did so much heavy lifting just with that, uh, that one aspect of the show. Very good. Yeah. I was a little torn between Maya and Ego. I think they both had really strong showings. You know, my, Maya is Kamala nailed it. Got, you know, got that victory moment in the cold open and then came back with a brilliant aunt Jemima. And really fun stuff. And then Ego, uh, double newscaster duty, doing great stuff too. Uh, so I think I'm ultimately going to favor the cast member relatively early in her tenure. You know, that it's, it's really cool to see them trust Ego. You know, a lot of people could have been in that pre-tape. It didn't need to be Ego, but they gave it to Ego and she did a hell of a job with it. And then really owns those newscaster roles. Uh, you know, even going back to. The, the the race wars one uh, last season, mm-hmm. she really shines in those moments. So yeah, I'm gonna give it to Ego. I think she had a really strong night. John, yeah, Ego is not fumbly. She can get solid lines of dialogue out very competently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing her and Alex together, like two very capable like linguistic performers, like just mm-hmm. really being able to make love to those cue cards. Um, that's always fun to see. And newscaster roles are fun for that. Well, cause there's a certain cadence to the newscaster and you kind of <laughs> have, there, 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 there's a certain energy you got to bring to how you deliver dialogue in those roles. And um, yeah, so it is, you're not wrong that Ego has been doing a lot of good work and she popped up a lot tonight. So that's, that's all good. Um, I wish I had a better answer than Keenan. Um, I think he was just doing Yeoman's work tonight. He he was in a lot of sketches and he was giving me a lot of laughs just because I always find his character so satisfying. You know, he's he was uh, one of the uh, primary reactions in the Mario sketch. He was Uncle Ben. He was um, one of the hailstorm star-crossed lovers. You know, he, he, when when Keenan pops up, I'm just, I don't know. I always giggle. And uh, so I was just happy to see him doing some fun stuff tonight. Um, As much as I want to give it to Dave Chappelle, because, you know, Dave Chappelle puts his stamp on a show. It is interesting that there wasn't more of Chappelle infused in so much of the show. And so because of that, yeah, I think I'll step back and say, I think Keenan was doing some good work this week. Keenan was complaining about the order he was going into. So I could see how you (laughs) relate to that. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. Keenan's always a good choice. Mm Mm-hmm. On a scale of classic, great, decent, 
week or train wreck. Steve, how would you rate this episode? That's a toughie. You know, you come in with uh, with expectations, uh, especially like four hours before air when you realize, <laughs> you know, they actually called the election. Uh, you want to expect really big things. You know, you try to manage those those expectations because you realize, OK, COVID seven shows in a row, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, it's it's not the best equation for like uh, uh, pull out all the stops. Amazing show. But, you know, we we have Dave Chappelle there. And, you know, a lot of the, the writing, it felt like, uh, like tonight show on a Friday, you know, when they record the Friday show on a Thursday. So they try to keep mm-hmm. the news out of it, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, they're not going to know what happens the next day. That's how they approach this show. And I don't fault them for it, but it makes it feel, you know, once you get past the second half of the show, just like any other show, really. Um, so as much as I loved the monologue, the cold open, that first sketch, uh, you know, the back half to me wasn't quite up there with the rest of it. So it's still a decent for me. I'll give it a decent for sure. This one is really tough for me to rate like you, because all of the things that Steve just said, it's, it's the moment in, of time that we're in and how I felt with my expectations going in that brought me down a little bit. But if I'm just looking at the content, everything here was great. You know, it, it was every, you know, with the exception of the DC morning one, which, you know, they had to chop down a lot. There was nothing that I didn't like. So it's, it's difficult for me to decide, well, is it, is it great because the content was great or is it decent because it, it didn't feel like it lived up to the cycle of the news that we were in. Um, but I think it's only fair to give it a great because I can't fault them. I don't know what happened. You know, the, the news was breaking. There was a lot going on. It was an insane week and it's their sixth week in a row. And they delivered us really solid sketch comedy. So whether or not it was what I wanted, they don't care. <laughs> this was good material. And, you know, I think this was a great episode. So when you can replay it out of, this moment of time we're in and things are going to hold up and none of this material was really missing. You know, I think that's a great episode. John, what do you think? Well, this week I am going to defer to my sister, Amy, who sends me her hot take text after every SNL. And I always <laughs> disregard them religiously, but this Not week nice I think, you. I think she's on point. So she says classic episode. No way it wasn't. Even the weakest sketch, the Bronco chase, was still solid. The monologue was real. The mood was hopeful and joyful. I laughed and laughed and laughed the entire episode. So that's... (laughs) You're doing a phone a friend. (laughs) Yeah, that that was um, my sister's hot take. And I don't think she's far off. I think this is a classic. I think sometimes the situation that the show lands in um, forces it to be something other than a typical outing of SNL. And I think mm-hmm. we were seeing that this week. Um, you can't disregard that Chappelle gave a, a, a record breaking monologue in a few respects <laughs> and he's still on top of his game. And he is the sort of voice that, you know, can carry the weight of a monologue on this sort of a show. So he was mm-hmm. the right booking. Um, it was the first time that I felt like their political cold opens this season was really, really strong. 
And more often than not, I thought they were hitting with their political commentary than missing. Um, so for all those reasons, and just the fact that it is basically the first pop culture comment on the election results, that's transcendent. You know, that is something beyond ordinary. And then the icing on the cake is they dropped in a couple real gems that you just aren't expecting. Um, we've had, you know, very middle of the road, hit or miss um, live sketch fair so far this season, which is typical for SNL. They can't all be great, but this was all pretty great. So we had some great live sketch stuff. We had a great pre-tape. And on top of it, you had, you know, just one of those hosts that you, you can never fault. And it was a momentous week. So if ever there was a classic, I think, I think there's got to be a classic in there somewhere. Wow. Well, we really ran the gamut on that yep. uh, <laughs> rating. What a spectrum. Yeah. But over none of us, they were all positive reviews. So mm, good yeah. job, guys. Enjoy your rest. Yes. <laughs> Sleep it off. You've earned it. Six episodes <laughs> in a row. You earn that mug. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. Sleep it off. We'll see you when we see you. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon whenever SNL's had enough time to sleep it off. But until then, this has been episode number 121 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs>